Hello, I'm Connor Sweetman and welcome to InsureTech Radio, the podcast that teaches you about how technology is transforming insurance and about the people making it happen. As always, we are brought to you by InsureTech Ireland. Visit our website, insuretechireland.org. There you can sign up to our community newsletter, where every week you'll get some of the latest updates from the InsureTech and startup ecosystems. This week, my guest is Pat O'Brien. Pat is the CEO of Greenlight Re Ireland and also heads up Greenlight Re's innovation division. We speak about how Greenlight partner with InsureTech companies and about how to foster entrepreneurship in large organizations. Please enjoy. Yeah, so I sort of wear two hats uh, at, at Greenlight. So I guess I run our sort of traditional uh, reinsurance business in, in Ireland. Um, and then we have a global innovation initiative called Greenlight Reinnovations. Uh, and I oversee that too. So you know, I, spent a, I spend a fair portion of my time involved in the innovation space. And uh, that's something that's that's interesting and, you know, is growing. And I guess, you know, one of the things I want to see happen with that is to, you know, see more of that happen uh, within the Irish marketplace too. So a lot of what we're doing at Greenlight is, you know, is internationally focused. We can we can talk about maybe some of the specifics a little bit later, but uh, I guess it'd be nice to see more of that opportunity uh, happening in the Dublin marketplace. So hopefully we can see that happen over the next couple of years. I'm curious about innovation functions generally, because it comes up quite a bit, and particularly like reinsurers seem to be taking much more of a proactive approach than primary insurers. But I'm curious just for yourself, like when you take on a role like that, what's the learning curve like, I suppose? Like how do you, what's the first step uh, to actually setting up a function like that? And then where do you go from there? Yeah, so I I think, you know, first of all, it it probably is worth Stepping back a little bit and just talking about why we set up Greenlight Re Innovation. So, you know, we believe as an organization, I guess, that the insurance and reinsurance industry will undergo significant change over the next couple of years. And, you know, we want to be part of that change. Uh, you know, we're a relatively small uh, reinsurer. Uh, so, you know, it's hard for us to necessarily compete with the, the very biggest carriers on a level playing field. So, you know, they have more capital, more staff, more more resources than us. So we see this as being a way where, you know, we can uh, positively differentiate ourselves in the market and we can sort of build an area where we can compete and lead. So we see this as being a core part of our overall strategy. So we want to, first of all, you know, have our finger on the pulse as to what's going on um, in the innovation space. We have a dedicated team of three people who work full-time on this, and then I, I spend a good chunk of my time on it. And, you know, really what we're trying to do is, you know, look at uh, the, the insurance industry and the innovation trends. Uh, we follow a lot of what's going on in the marketplace just to, to get our finger on the pulse with it. And then we sort of reach out to these insurtechs and, uh, you know, ultimately the goal is to build strategic partnerships with them and through those strategic partnerships to, you uh, improve our business. So whether that's in generating revenue by potentially supporting some insure techs who are in the distribution space, or whether it's maybe improving the uh, the profitability of some of our underlying seedings by giving them claim solutions which might improve their business. You know, there's a variety of ways this can help us. But you know, we see our efforts in the innovation space as being a critical part of improving our, our, our overall core business. What's the usual process? Like, so you said you will do your own research, kind of keeping your finger on the pulse. And then, like, 
what are the steps, say, from that first kind of initial coffee or phone call um, to make to actually kind of saying, yeah, we either want to make an investment or we want to provide capacity? I know, like, there's probably a long period of time between those two events, but what in general, what what's your experience been? Yeah, no, it's a, you know, I think it's it's pro- it probably varies a little bit case by case, but you know, the, the, the general process would be. You know, we, we'd engage first of all with uh, with an insure tech, and we'd have a preliminary conversation. And uh, you know, it's, it's a lot would depends obviously on, on the, the nature of that conversation and uh, you know how the idea fits, whether we believe in it, and so on. So I think you know if that pos- if that initial conversation goes well, we then look to, to to take it to the next level, and we'd have further conversations. We'd get into detail detailed due diligence. We talk a little bit about. Uh, you know our approach uh, and uh, what we, how we would look to support the insure tech, and I guess really you know we see Greenlight as being a strategic partner to uh, to these insure techs. So you know we feel that uh, it's important for us that we can add value, uh, and so if we look at the opportunity uh, and we feel we can add value, uh, there's. You know, that's a key part of the conversation going forward. Uh, Would that be when you say value? Is that just beyond like capacity or yeah, capacity? No, exactly. Yeah, so it's more around expertise, relationships. Uh, you know, maybe strategic direction. So you know, what we want to what we want to do is is work with the insure tech to improve their business, and if we feel we can do that, and you know, they obviously. Need to feel that we can we can help too. So that the cultural fit is is a key part of that. So if both parties feel that we can do that, well, then I think that there's the opportunity then to move forward and to look at you know the next stage. And I guess that's probably then obviously you know a capital investment uh, if they're raising funds and if it's in in the distribution space, uh, it's you know the provision of reinsurance capacity. We do have uh, you know. Chinese wall uh, between our uh, yeah, the innovation team and our underwriting team. So uh, what we will do is we'll take an opportunity so far and then we'll just, uh, our underwriters involved and they'll look at the opportunity and see whether it's something which uh, may make sense for them from an underwriting perspective. So it's important to uh, get the underwriting guys involved in the process too. Uh, and then ultimately we get to the stage where, you know, if, Everybody's very comfortable. Uh, we we move forward, and what we look to do generally is that we would we would make an investment, and then as part of that investment, we would also look to enter into a commercial agreement, and that commercial agreement would sort of set out uh, how we would support the uh, the insure tech, and I guess what we would want in, in return. So maybe the best example of or simplest example is in. The, the distribution space. So, if, if it's an MGA uh, insure tech, uh, what we would look to do is provide capacity, but we'd want to have capacity rights for an extended period of time. So, maybe five or six years. You know, in all likelihood, as an insure tech is is getting up and running in year one, uh, you know, they're not going to have huge volume. They're probably going to make some mistakes, and it's not going to be so profitable. Uh, but by the time you get to, to year four, or year five. Uh, you know, if the idea is good and it's executed well, you'd expect them to have scale and to be profitable. So I guess what's important to us is we don't want to be there 
in you know year one and year two, and then we miss out on, on year three or year four. So by entering into the commercial agreement, I guess we were happy to support the insure tech at the start. But as the quid pro quo is, I guess we have to uh, have some rights uh, for down the road. And when it comes to the, the underwriting stage of that, um, I've been involved in a couple of schemes over the years that didn't get off the ground because there wasn't enough information or there wasn't enough like potential for critical mass. On something that's so new, what tools do you use to actually make a decision as to whether or not this will be a viable underwriting decision? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to analyze a, a startup in the same way as you would analyze uh, you know in a, a existing player who has who has many years of data. So you know, I think. Probably the starting point in the process is the insurer take themselves. So, you know, they'll have a business plan uh, and that, that will sort of set out what they want to achieve, both from, from a top line perspective and, and the potential, uh, you know, profitability of that. Uh, so we'll stress that, test that plan and, you know, we'll challenge them on some of the assumptions and so on. In all likelihood of making an investment decision, you know, we will, uh, Take that plan and discount some of the, some of the revenue projections. To just build in a uh, an area of conservatism. Uh, I think on the profitability side, then you know, looking at the underwriting piece, it, to a large extent, it depends on uh, what the the individual cover is. So you know, one of the uh, companies we've invested in is a company called Pact. So they're a auto MGA in. Uh, the U.S., so they're selling uh, a product in Ohio, and I guess their product is a little bit different because it has a pause feature. Uh, so, for example, if uh, you're going on business travel and you know you spend a couple of days a week, let's say, in a different city, you drive to the airport, you pause your insurance, and you take your flight. And when you come back, you unpause your insurance and you drive away. So that's sort of one of the, the type of features that they have. So that's that's a different feature. You know, it's not something that we're familiar with, but we have a lot of experience in the motor space in general. So I guess what we're able to do is sort of build on the, the actuarial and pricing work we have on that the, the motor industry as a whole. And then we can get a little bit uh, for some of the nuances of uh, a particular product. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is case by case, but we try to be as analytical as we can be, recognizing that there's uh, there's certain limitations, obviously, because it, they are startups and there's not, not perfect data. And, and the function itself, how does Greenlight Re judge the success of Greenlight Re innovations? You're going to try a lot of stuff. Some will work, some won't work. Yeah. And, you know, it, it'll probably work over, say, a 10-year period, but it might work over a two- or three-year period. How does the company think about that? Yeah, I think I think in fairness we're we're fortunate in that we've had uh, you know we see the innovation piece as a, a key part of our all, overall strategy. So from you know a, a board level for the group CEO, from the whole executive team, we've sort of bought into uh, how to look at uh, the innovation unit and you know what we need to do. So you know we recognise that. This is a longer term game. Uh, we recognize that there's going to be failures. So, you know, for the, 
the statistics as to how many uh, startups fail, you know, is quite frightening. So I think what we're trying to do, I guess, as we we read through the various opportunities we see, is uh, you know, pick out what we feel are, are the better startups. But you know, of the companies that we've invested in, we have to uh, recognize that probably in three years' time, you know, maybe. 25, 50% of them aren't going to be there. So that's that's the nature of, of the business that we're in. So I think everybody accepts that there's risks. Uh, I think really what we're how we judge success, though, is about how it improves our, our core reinsurance operations. So we're not really into insure tech and investment for you know the purpose of capital appreciation. So if we invest in something and it goes up in value, that's great. That's it's nice and you know we, we can recognize a little bit of investment income off the back of that. But that's not why we're doing this. I guess we're doing this ultimately uh, to improve our core reinsurance business. And I guess what we do is we sort of track the uh, the reinsurance revenue which uh, the insure techs are delivering for us. So I think we expect to get to uh, a point in time over the next couple of years where you know it will become a, a significant element of, of our overall premium volume and you know we'll track each of those opportunities individually if we do invest in a in a claims mga and you know we roll that out maybe to some of our existing seedants again we can sort of uh, we can do a it's a little bit harder but we can do a business cases to uh, how potentially that's improved the profitability of a seedant yeah so it's not like say uh, might be a bad example, but say like Berkshire Hathaway will invest in lots of different types of businesses and that would be part of their overall, you know, the, the value of their business would include those other industries. Whereas this is more, you want it to complement your core uh, capabilities as a reinsurer, as opposed to you be, you guys becoming like investors in a variety of different types of businesses. Yeah, exactly. No, no, we're very clear that the reason why we're doing this is to improve our core business. So that's, you know, we're, we're a reinsurer. That's what we do. This We see innovation as a way of improving our core reinsurance business because we'd be involved in, in new areas and new products and we, we can generate revenue. And you know, I think one of the interesting things about this, particularly in the, the distribution space, is it's sort of, it's a way of, uh, to a certain extent, you know, locking in revenue. So, uh you know, we compete in the open market with lots of other reinsurers for, for traditional business. Uh, but, you know, to gain that business, I guess you're, you know, it's competition. So it, that's back to uh, the situation around price. So that becomes very price sensitive then because uh, you're competing with a, a range of carriers and ultimately probably, you know, price is going to be a key factor in the decision-making process. Here, uh, to a certain extent, we're almost creating from scratch uh, some reinsurance revenue for ourselves into the future. And uh, mm. means we're not competing as much in, in the open market. And that's probably, in the long term, beneficial for the business. I'm interested in your thoughts on entrepreneurship. What should people be thinking about when it comes to making changes in their own organizations? Ultimately, you have to start from the point probably that every company is different. And a lot depends on, on the culture within the organization. You know, I think... You'd like to think that, uh, you know, companies would encourage uh, entrepreneurs and people who want to embrace technology. Uh, so hopefully you're, you know, people are in, in that environment and then it's a little bit easier. You know, I think the first thing probably is, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to get involved. So if there's, if there's projects going on and, you know, lots of most companies have lots of projects going on at particular points in time, uh, you know, don't be afraid to put your hand up and, and get involved. I think uh, 
people will appreciate that and that exposes you to different skills. So I think, you know, ultimately in their careers, people can find themselves quite siloed. They're doing a particular job. They don't necessarily understand, you know, how that maybe fits into the big picture and so on. So I think by, by getting involved in projects the companies have ongoing, that can be a way of sort of broadening your mindset. I, mean, you know, I think another maybe simple example probably is to, you know, be an advocate for uh, the technology which is already there. So I think in many companies we probably have, uh, you know, technology which is available to people but isn't being used to its fullest extent. So, you know, why don't uh, you take advantage of the technologies that there and demonstrate the value that's there? And, you know, hopefully other people then see that and they see that you you are uh, – you have an interest in this space and you want to support innovation. Yeah. Um, well, look, thanks a million, Pat, for your time. Do you have any parting words for our audience? No, I think it, you know, it's, it's been good to chat through. Uh, you know, I think one of the things maybe to, to bring it back home a little bit from uh, to an Ireland perspective is, you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about is trying to see if we can uh, grow the, the InsureTech hub that we, we have in Dublin. I think Dublin is, uh, you know, uniquely placed to uh, to play a role here uh, in, in the European stage. So, you know, we look at what we have here uh, on the insurance side. First of all, you know, we have a lot of, of global players, uh, both in the domestic market and in, in the international market in the National Services Centre. On the other side of the river, we have, you know, a lot of the, the big uh, U.S. multinationals on the tech side. So we've the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons of the world. Uh, so, I, you know, I do think there's an opportunity for, for Dublin to position itself as uh, a global insurtech destination. What we're going to start to see as, uh, you know, insurtech becomes more mature is that a lot of the, the larger uh, and successful U.S. insurtechs are going to look to access uh, the European marketplace, and you know what I, we need to try to do from an Irish perspective is is make Dublin an attractive hub, so that uh, if they are looking at the European marketplace, that, that they come here. We have a similar opportunity with the UK, obviously post Brexit. We'll have to see how it ultimately sort of all plays out. But in all likelihood, I guess uh, you know London is a, is another key uh, international hub for insurtech, and if those companies want to access the, the European marketplace going forward. Uh, they're likely to need, uh, you know, an EU uh, domiciled company. So we should be positioning uh, ourselves to uh, to meet that need. So I think there's some interesting times ahead for InsureTech in, in Ireland. Super. Thanks very much, Pat. Yeah, pleasure, Connor. Nice talking to you. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and please visit our website, insuretechireland.org. See you next week.